Welcome to the Rider Up Podcast, presented by Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge, America's East Coast mountain biking capital, where we talk about how much we love bicycles. Dan's a crazy downhiller, and John will be walking with a cane in a few years. But nobody loves cycling more than these two. Coming to you from Virginia's Blue Ridge, let's meet the hosts, Dan Lucas and John Carlin. Hello, I'm John Carlin. And I am Dan Lucas, and welcome to the Rider Up podcast presented by Virginia's Blue Ridge. Yeah, we are an IMBA Silver Ride Center. We are home to VDR Team 2024, preparing women cyclists for worldwide competition, including the Olympics. And we are America's East Coast mountain biking capital here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. We're recording today at Cardinal Bicycles Grandin Village location in the city of Roanoke. And Dan, we've got a big festival coming up this weekend. GoFest is is on our doorstep, and I am excited. By the time people listen to this, GoFest will have come it, and gone. It'll have come and gone, and I hope that you are able to take advantage of the incredible number of biking related stuff that we have going on there's demos there's like professionals there's all kinds of stuff stop by the biking area say hello to us um and uh, enjoy it because it's going to be beautiful well you know the thing that i will say about virginia's blue ridge and the go outside festival which we call go fest go fest is that it sort of solidifies this whole outdoor thing that's happening in our region. I mean, whether it's kayaking or whether it's hiking or whether it's mountaineering yep. or biking. All of it. There's a huge cycling. It's like a cycling village set it, up. It's its own, yeah, it's its own entity within <laughs> GoFest, I think, this year. Um, mm-hmm. It might be called Bike Town, I believe is what I saw on the I map. I think it is, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, I love it. Uh, it gives us our own little area to call, you know, to call home, but uh, GoFest is incredible. If you're from somewhere else, look it up. You need to visit. It's worth traveling for this festival. Three days. It's not quite Burning Man yet. Not yet. But it's getting there. <laughs> Maybe one day. It's, I mean, it is It is the biggest festival in, uh, in, the, in the city, and it's routinely voted the best absolutely. event in Roanoke yeah. every year. Yep. And it's not that old. I mean, has it even been around I, 10 years yet? Yeah, it's got, it's got to be mm. 10 years. Well, yeah, it's got, I, I think in... The first one, it was not called Go Fest the first year. It was the Outdoor Circus. Right, and it was very small. It was small. very small. Very small. But it's incre- every year it's doubled, basically. It keeps doubling in size. It doubles in scope. Um, so it's going to be bigger and better this season. Today, we will be talking with former Olympian and World Pro Tour champ Shelly Olds, who has a new role in cycling here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. But we'll get into the Shelly interview later. Um, Right now we have yeah. other things. To we got so. I, first of all, um, you had a bit of a digger on your mountain bike this I, week. World got, travels. Got, word travels fast. Well, all I had to do was look at your legs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I like to think of myself as a pretty good crasher, meaning that when I when I go down, um, I, I I don't know if it's I tuck and roll. I don't know if I go full ragdoll. What it is, whatever it is. And you clip I, in too. I, yeah, I'm clipped in, yeah. and uh, but I crash pretty well. Um, take that however you like. Um, but uh, yeah, I went down. We have a, a Wednesday night ride. We call it the mullet. And uh, we rode. We, we did the mullet ride. I was coming down a trail local to us here. This is on Mill Mountain. Mill Mountain. Right and, in the uh, middle of the city of Roanoke. Right, yeah, you can see the downtown lights from the top. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yep. So it was a gorgeous sunset. We're coming down a trail. Lights were on because uh, it is getting dark now. And uh, I was riding one of my hardtail bikes. And, uh, you know, I just one second, my hand was on the bar, 
And the next second, I, re- I had it long enough to think uh-huh. during the crash. Uh-huh. My hand is no longer on the bar. And then I, and then I went down and I rolled. Um, I got up. I bruised my palm a little bit. Um, but uh, it's all superficial, John. Everything's fine. It, you know, it. I may be taking a, a digger, but um, I'm not wearing. Did you index. Did you hit a rock? I don't honestly. You don't know. I, 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 my hand came off the bar somehow. I it, it. I don't know if it rattled or I just a lapse of judgment, or whatever. But I just or I just bounced a little bit. I was, you know, you you get in the flow, you get in the rhythm, and you keep, uh, you keep riding and. It was just one of those things that happened sometimes. Okay, here's the most important question. Yeah. How's the bike? Uh, but it took a couple little scratches, but it's still working flawlessly. I, I, it did flip over, and uh, the the non-draft side tagged a, a tagged a rock, but it's still it's still hardtail. It's my kind of apocalypse bike. It just keeps going, so uh, okay. she's good. Okay. But enough about me and my crashes. Ah. <laughs> tell me, uh, tell me what you've been into because you've been you've been gone. My my right hand man for the podcast hasn't been around. What have you been doing? All right. So last week I was in California. Ooh, what part of California? Uh, we were in Napa and Sonoma counties, oh, and oh my god, it was so gorgeous. This was like the the wine tasting tour. We did it with the Backroads Travel Company. Okay. Um, and that was that was my third Backroads experience. They always live up to expectations. It's I can't recommend it highly enough, but I did that, and, and the best day, in fact, I'm working on a story for Channel 10, on um, that one day we rode from the coast, so we're riding up California Route 1, mm-hmm. Highway 1, which comes right along the Pacific. Yep. We did that for 10 miles, looking over the cliffs and, and the ocean. Then we turned inland at a place near the, the what's known as the Russian River, uh, and then for lunch, some 25 miles later, which seems like nothing, we are in the Redwood Forest. Oh. Right? So we, uh, what part of California was that? Is this is all Northern California. Okay. We're about okay. an hour north of San Francisco. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so we're in the Redwood Forest, and then after the Redwood Forest, where we had lunch, we got back on our bikes, and we stopped and did wine tastings. <laughs> All the way back to our hotel in Healdsburg. It's a rough life, but I'm it glad. was it was it was so rough. And, you know, <laughs> and I know that you're you know you're this crazy mountain bike dude, uh, and I like mountain biking. But you, you, you've got to learn to embrace this. Get on a bicycle and go someplace. I no, I I do. And in uh, the second week of November. I'm going to be in Arkansas. i got a trip planned um, uh-huh. with some buddies, and we're going to ride out in, uh, in Bentonville. It's halfway in between Colorado and Virginia, which is yeah. where they're coming from. So uh, we're going to go out and ride there. Um, but we're typically, you know, get up from the Airbnb, uh, go ride, and then eat, you know, cheeseburgers or pizza afterwards. That's kind For of sure. our life. That's I love the that. way we do it. I love that. And, but, <laughs> but, I mean, you're still going on a trail. You start and finish at the car. Yep. And then you go back and you have a great time. And, and um, I will say that I have, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a mountain bike and I love to do that. I just need to get you to buy into this get on a road bike oh, and man. travel somewhere on it. You, you know, know, walk and ride 50 miles and end up someplace that you didn't start. Well, um, you know, I, I can, I can, we can talk about this. Uh-huh. This backroads is intriguing me, so uh-huh. I'm interested in okay. that for sure. All right. Um, well, I did a couple other rides. I just, I just want to mention them quickly. We just finished this past weekend with the Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge Grand Fondo, Grand Fondo yep. right here in Botetourt County, which yep. is part of Virginia's Blue Ridge, north of Roanoke. Beautiful day. We could watch the leaves like 
looked like they were changing Liter- in yeah. front of our eyes. They literally changed overnight this weekend. Yeah. It was yeah. wild. It was so beautiful. Yeah. Lots of lots of yellows right now, but there were some reds mixed in. We passed a persimmon tree. Have you ever eaten a I, persimmon? I have. There's one on my parents' farm. <clears throat> okay. And my mom waits every year for the first frost. That's the that's wives' it. tail, right? right? And you yeah. get it after the first frost. And we had just that morning we had the Frosted, first frost. And you got one? That's and, good. And we did. So my buddy knows where this tree is, Gary, and he says, yeah, let's eat one. And I was like, I don't know, man. I'm just picking this up beside the road. Yeah. He said, no, eat it. And Trust it was, me. Oh yeah, God. they're good. They're, good. The, uh, before good. you, uh, before the first frost, they will turn your mouth inside out. Right. If yeah. you're not familiar with the persimmon. Yeah. Give them yeah. a go. No, it was it was really good. Yeah. But, um, and, you know, and I just had a great summer. Uh, my wife and I went up to Vermont. We rode the Farm to Fork Fondo in the Champlain Islands. That sounds in good. The, in the middle of Lake <laughs> Champlain. You and show then, up and they just to serve you dinner? They you know, for a, for a fee of course, of but course. Yeah, they serve you dinner the night before, and it's all you know like farm local. Yeah. Um, and this the theory behind the farm to fork fondos is that um, cyclists and farmers have in common the fact that we value rural properties. Absolutely. And the speech that you get before the ride is, look. You love riding out here in the great outdoors, in this beautiful scenery. These are not housing developments. There's there's no commercialization here. It's just gorgeous scenery. And and cyclists and people, you know, in the agricultural field, because like we were, you know, I say farmers, there were dairy farmers, but there were vineyards, there was all you know, all these yeah. different products uh, that related to coming from the land. And, and there really is a synergy there between cyclists and, and rural people. Um, and they're really trying to promote that. So thus the farm to fork. The Eastburg, uh, Vermont is on my list to ride. Yes. And evidently it is incredible. I have a friend that lives up that way. Okay. And that, that's on my, my must-do list at some point. Yes. Uh, so, I'm familiar um, with that area as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Excellent. So, yeah. And then the other, other ride I will mention is the Loudoun Gravel Grinder. It's a gravel ride in Loudoun County, Northern Virginia. And there's a whole network of gravel roads up there that actually there's now a preservation trust to keep them gravel. Okay, that's and awesome. This is the wealthiest county in Virginia. Okay, right by in terms of the per capita. That's who income. we. That's who we want on our side. So this is this is horse country. Yeah, these people probably could have whatever they wanted, and they don't want paved roads. Uh, these these I roads go it. back to George Washington times. That's fantastic. And they want to keep it that way. And so we rode all through this. It's absolutely I bet gorgeous. It, I bet it is gorgeous. And yeah. you know, I never looked down to see how fast I was going. <laughs> you know, on a road bike, yeah. I always kind of yeah. tempted to, but I was just looking at the you scenery and taking it all enjoying in. Enjoying everything around. Enjoying the gravel ride. Yeah. Awesome. So, a little bit of my riding somewhere. Maybe I'll go into one of those more uh, coming up in, in another podcast. But um, and oh, uh, the other thing I got to mention is I got to do a ride with Kristen Armstrong. Uh, uh, yes, <clears throat> I, I heard and saw. Right? And so, we did a story on that. Pretty for, awesome. For yep. Channel 10. Yep. Kristen was here to speak. Yep. And she has said she will come on the podcast at some point, but she's a three-time Olympic gold medalist. Yep. Be watching for that one. That's going to be a good so one. So she has said she will do – she she can't travel back here. She lives in Boise. Yeah. Uh, and we could not we could not schedule while we tried. she was here. We she did was our best. so busy. But, but I got to ride with her yeah. and do a riding interview with her. That's so and cool, then, And then the story was on Channel 10. Yeah. We can put a link to that in the show. We got to meet her. Um, oh, I got to meet her one night, same yeah. night you, you met her at Virginia's Blue Ridge. Yeah. And 
just a super awesome person, uh, very inspiring, and I I can't wait to talk to her on the podcast. But yeah, please watch the interview because uh, it was really it's fun. a good time. Yeah, it was really, and she I mean it was not she she said some stuff. Yeah, she she had some anger over trying to come back as an Olympian yep. and as a female and being a female over forty when mom. And she's a mother, yeah. and so she had to overcome all these things that are just part of being a woman yep. that she should not have had right. to fight. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. So, so you have a child, you can't be good enough. Boom, she wins a gold medal. <laughs> then then they said, you can't come back, you're over 40. Boom, she wins her third gold medal. Yeah, I love it. And it's just a, it's just a great story. So Kristen Armstrong, uh, so I, I have had a great cycling summer. You have. I, I mean, have. it has kind of been over the top. That's I'm, awesome. I, I mean, I'm just, uh, people say this, but I'm blessed. Well, I'm right? jealous and happy for you. Yes, right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I don't think he's really happy. I think, I think Dan wants to I be. I think we need to trade places yeah. uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but now you're a bike mechanic, and every podcast, you've got a pro tip for us. It's been it's revolving around tools. Yep. What do you got for us today? All right, today... Uh, Ooh, this that. is an important one. Um, what I'm holding right now is a, a ratcheting torque wrench. So there's a bunch of different types of torque wrenches. Yeah. Um, this one is one that happens to be a okay. ratchet. It just okay. looks like a ratchet. It looks like a ratchet. Like so, I have for to fix my car. Absolutely. So the important thing about this and this why it's important to you listening is that um, on bikes and especially newer bikes because a lot of bikes are coming with uh, the alloy in the frame is thinner. The um, the bike is made of carbon, or it you know it, the bolts are designed. In a so you way. can make things too tight. You can make them too tight, and a lot of people do. And so uh, what this is is called a torque wrench, and it will tell you when you have reached the optimal torque, and you can set it on the wrench. Um, we'll we'll put a, a link to something maybe so you can see what I'm talking about. But the reason this is important is because um, in the shop here. We work on a lot of very expensive bikes. People bring their bikes and they trust us to work on them. If you just you know refund something until it breaks, that's bad because we lose money, the person loses time on their bike. So the right way to do it is to use a torque wrench. Um, for example, bars. A lot of bikes are coming with carbon bars. They're lightweight and they're very handlebars. strong. Yep, handlebars, yep. Sure. They're lightweight and they're very strong. But you know, the the torque rating or the value that you need to put on them is a lot lower than what people are going to just do by hand. Right. Um, so, so you can't do it by feel. You can, yeah, I mean, you like, can, but. you can if you've done this for a long time, like you, you've done this 10 years, yeah, you probably can. Okay. But for the average person, if you're working on your bike at home, this is a tool that you got to have, especially if you have a nice bike. It's not worth uh, risking it and having them too loose and having your, your handlebar spin on you. Or uh, tightening it down too much and snapping uh, or breaking the so carbon. How do you know? So there's got settings on. So, yeah. How do you know? Like you're doing the handlebars, that's not going to be the same as a pedal or uh, yep. derailleur. Right? Yep. So um, this comes. There's two different values you need to know. One is newton meters, mm-hmm. and one is inch pounds. Um, different parts will call for different uh, you know, different um, numbers here. Uh, most things on a bike are going to be in newton meters. Mm-hmm. Um, and on this, there's a little dial, a little indicator. John's looking at it right now. I don't have to know Newton meters. I just have to know, set it on five, set it on six. Yeah. So a lot of them right. will say, 
it'll say six newton meters. So a very common thing for a mountain bike stem, the, the pinch bolts would be mm -hmm. six newton meters. So all you gotta do is you gotta rotate it till the little red dial is on six and it's set. So when you're torquing it, you'll hear the little click and that's your indication you've reached the right value. If you go past that, that's more. Um, so, you know, this is something that's pretty simple, but it's something that's gonna be very valuable, you know, for uh, for you working on your bike at home, get yourself a torque wrench. They are a little expensive, but uh -huh. also mountain bikes are very expensive. So, so yeah, I mean, my wife's road bike. Yeah, <clears throat> I, she has a she has a beautiful Athos. She has an eight thousand dollar. It was bike. a very expensive bike. <clears throat> I don't have an eight thousand dollar bike. You don't. My, and my you wife, do not my want wife to, deserves everything she gets. You do but, absolutely. They do. Yeah, um, so you do not want to tighten down your seat post collar. You know, probably more than four, four and a half newton meters. Because if you break that, that's a eight thousand dollar frame. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're gonna have to replace. Yeah. So this, you're using a park tool. Yep. So park tool. Professional They're kind of a gold standard. Yep. Professional grade. So there's a lot of very good torque wrenches, and there's some that are digital. This one is kind of an analog style. But uh, you know, if you even just going down to Harbor Freight and buying yourself a torque wrench, it might not be as precise but it's gonna get you in the realm and that's what's important. It's gonna keep you from messing up. It's gonna keep up. you from messing up something expensive. Okay. All right, so thank you for the tool tip and we've got a great interview coming up on the podcast. Today. Yes, Shelly Olds, uh, a former Olympian. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, go to her website and look at her uh, volume of work that she's done on the bike. It's pretty incredible. And Shelly Olds is coming up next here on the Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge Rider Up podcast. We'll get back to the Rider Up podcast in just a moment. But first, a quick note about Virginia's Blue Ridge. You'll hear Dan and I talk a lot about Virginia's Blue Ridge in the podcast because that's where we live and ride. Virginia's Blue Ridge offers what we lovingly call a Metro Mountain Mix, a place where you can play in the mountains while enjoying the arts and culture in and around Roanoke, Virginia, home to many museums, restaurants, festivals, shopping, and so much more. We hope you'll bring your bike, go for a ride, and check out all the region has to offer. Go to visitvbr.com for all things Virginia's Blue Ridge. Welcome back to the Rider Up podcast brought to you by Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge, John Carlin and Dan Lucas recording today in Cardinal Bicycles Grandin Village location in Roanoke, the star city of the south. And joining us today is Shelley Olds, Olympian and unbelievably successful, one of the best, what is the word, palmares? Is that your, is that the word that you sure. use for your cycling resume? <laughs> I mean, you just rocked it in, in the European road racing. Yeah, I had fun. Yeah, you did. So, <laughs> so welcome to the podcast. Thank you. But I want people to know that you started out as a soccer player. Mm -hmm. How I did that? How, how did that all happen? Because you became like one of the world's best bike racers from being a soccer player. Yeah, I ended up at Roanoke. Funny, ironically, because I was I was gonna go play D one at um, Old Dominion. I got a scholarship, full scholarship, to go play at Old Dominion. But I went there. I already accepted my acceptance letter, and I went and I saw the school, and I saw the people, and I saw the soccer program, and it was like. 
military. It was like, you're going to come here, you're going to play soccer, and that's it. That's like, at Old Dominion. Yeah. Okay. And I just didn't like it. And it was a huge campus. And it just, I come from like a small town in uh, Massachusetts. And it just wasn't for me. And luckily, Roanoke College was like still open to taking me in, right? So... I, uh, I went into the college ex and started and told the soccer player, hey, I, I play soccer. And he was like, oh, great. Like, we'll have you walk on. And then he found out that I was like this D1 player. Right. And he yeah. was like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> this fell in my lap. So Phil Benny is the soccer coach at Roanoke College. He's like a father to me. He's still, we've kept in touch all these years. Um, so I played at Roanoke Division Three soccer, and it was such an incredible experience. You I were got, an All-American. <laughs> nominated. I no, didn't oh, get nominated. it. Nominated. Oh, okay. well, <laughs> Yeah, that's, I wish I could say I was, but yeah. I had a really good time playing soccer and I got a really good academic, you know, I got a really good experience at that college and I felt like I was part of a family and that's even more pronounced now coming back from all these years later. And periodically I would come back, like after the Olympics, I came back and spoke at like, uh, what's it, alumni, some big dinner, uh -huh. 400 people or something like that it was so nerve wracking, but <laughs> I spoke at that and then they've invited me back over the years to do some speaking. I came back in 2016 when I retired from cycling and coached with Phil Benny as a volunteer and he was like okay this is not for you because I was still acting like I was in the game like I was yelling mm -hmm. at the refs <laughs> so he was like okay sit down this is maybe not you're not ready for this <laughs> wow and I okay. went then I've I've come back now it's six years later and I'm back to coach the uh collegiate cycling team, the new collegiate cycling team. It's very exciting. And, and I want to ask you uh, a lot more about that, but, uh, and, and we'll get to that because that is a, an amazing thing for the college and for the region, and, and how cool is it to be able to go to a wonderful college and have a former Olympian be your coach. So that's fantastic. But how did you get from soccer to cycling? Okay, so I graduated from Roanoke, and I lived in Massachusetts before I went to Roanoke. Then my parents moved out to California while I was going to college. So after college, I was torn. Should I go back to Boston and see my friends, or should I go out to California and be with my family? So I ended up moving out to California. Then I kind of lost the whole soccer connection. Like, I didn't have a team out there to play with. If I had gone to Boston, maybe I would have found a, a team to play with. But So I was working full-time. You know, you finish college, you better start working. <laughs> so yeah. I was working yeah. full-time. There was no time to play soccer and I was running to stay in shape and so I was like okay I'll train for a marathon just to give myself something competitive to to train for mm -hmm. and because that's how my mind operates I can't just train. <laughs> I gotta have something to train for um, so I started training and ultimately got Achilles tendonitis mm. and so I could hardly walk and so I met a guy out there who I was dating at the time and he was so into cycling I mean he was doing track cycle cross mountain bike we were riding a tandem a mountain bike tandem which to this day I can't believe I got on the back of a mountain bike tandem for the first time like experiencing cycling like crazy. Uh, actually on a trail yeah on on gnarly trails like I don't even like that, <laughs> I do that. you can't see what's in front yeah, of you yeah, so yeah. But he was I trusted him a lot he was very experienced but so he got me he we were riding he built me up this bike like out of a I don't know a bunch of different parts all put together and it was really heavy we were riding up this climb one day and I was beating him and he couldn't catch me and he was like you're really good. Like you're, you're, you should train for the Olympics. That's like literally what he said. What and I was said? like, whatever, like, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> we had a local track 
hell your velodrome in San Jose is a local outdoor track. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, you have an uh, one up on people because you have a local track and track is a very niche sport mm-hmm. and you're good. If you train, you could potentially go to the Olympics on the track. And so I was like, this is a pipe dream, but right. we started training for it and I started, <laughs> started doing everything, you know, cycling every weekend doing something cycling riding all the time i rode a, r- a lot with him and his friends did you know did you own what kind of bike did you own at this point well i went mm-hmm. from like a podank little mountain bike just all different parts yeah. no no brand name to like you know specialized cross bike and then and then i got on nicola's team road team from her tiny little team we were part of the men's team as men and women's team the men were getting all of the product mm-hmm. so this is like this the root of nicola and i's relationship and nicola is for people who didn't listen to the previous podcasts uh, she is the uh, person who owns and operates team 2024 yeah. which has now produced 14 olympians yeah but she was just just getting started just getting started okay. no, no she, big deal <laughs> yeah, she was right. good friends with my boyfriend at the time so okay. i met her He put me on her team based out of Marin, California. She was fed up with the fact that the men were getting all the stuff and we were getting nothing. Mm -hmm. Like she would give me a pair of gloves and I'd be like, oh my God, gloves. And (laughs) the men have like bikes and money. They get paid to ride. Yeah. So she said, okay, we're going to separate. We're going to start to build our own team. And so it started back then really. So I was on her first team and then she had the vision of being the team 2012, peanut butter 2012. We were at the time uh, sponsored by peanut butter and company, which was amazing. Oh, peanut butter and company. That's great. <laughs> yeah. My little wife packets of peanut butter, oh, yeah. like really? all different yeah, yeah. flavors. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so they, that was the team, the first vision of this team 20, right now it's t- 2024, Virginia's Blue Ridge 2024. At that time, it was Peanut Butter and Company 202012, and that's the team that I went to the Olympics with. That's awesome! So wow! I was the first one ultimately to go so, with her, and now we're back here. So <laughs> when you started, and it, like you, you couldn't run, so you started riding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did you like? Did, were you immediately like, "Oh, this is great," or yeah. were you were you like, "I'm just doing this to"? Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I started riding to work because Mm -hmm. it was like close enough that I could ride to work. And then I started like trying to get to work faster. And then I was like, okay, I can get faster. Like I'll go longer before work. So it was all, plus it was so many different things you could do. Mountain bike, cross, just all different communities of cyclists too, right? You go to a cross race, you'd see all this group of people. You go to a road race. Sometimes you'd see a lot of the same people, but you know, different communities of mm-hmm. people and so much fun. Yeah, the cycling world is really cool like that. Um, and it's working here, it's really nice because I, I have my crew that are, you know, the downhill, yeah. the gravity, the dirty gravity <laughs> kids. It, but you guys, but I <laughs> stop and smell the roses. But I like to no. But what I enjoy is I enjoy working with road cyclists and uh, cyclocross riders. And the just the average person comes in that is like, I don't understand what's happening. Can you help me? Yeah. And uh, I would say as a whole, the cycling community just on two wheels is is phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, yeah, great people, great like a tight knit community. I would say as far as an outdoor industry, mm-hmm. like I don't think don't take this the wrong way. I don't think like you're going to get the same thing with like hikers runners. or whatever, or runners maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe runners. Maybe. Some of the runners, runners in the area I think are pretty do. tight. You do? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You but yeah. Um, yeah. it is neat. And I can see there's a lot of people within the last six months even yeah. recently that have come in and, uh, you know, we do a lot of rides out of here and you'll see them once and you try to be welcoming and friendly and then you see them again yeah. and then you see them again and then you see them on a new bike yep. and then yep. uh, they're like, they're in and yeah. that's 
uh, kind of the beautiful thing about cycling, I think, especially for this area. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool to hear that, like, back in 2012 in Marin County, yeah. you got the same thing. Yeah. And it brought you here. Yep. 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 Yeah, this so. was 20s, 2006 or something, and then we wow. continued. Yeah, that okay, was, and then that you've was, been working right. until that point. And then wow. 2012, I went to the Olympics. So it yeah. takes some years to get ready for that. But well, well so. and, mo- and most people with that ambition don't succeed. Yeah. So, right. Um, six years of fully dedicated effort does not result in an Olympian yeah. very often. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I would have you know, loved to have had the talent <laughs> to pursue that type of a dream. Yeah, right. But, Pretty, pretty obvious uh, to me that that wasn't going to happen. You're listening to the Rider Up podcast, John Carlin, Dan Lucas, recording at Cardinal Bicycle in Grandin Village in the city of Roanoke, Virginia, Virginia's Blue Ridge. And we are talking with Shelley Olds, former Olympian and European road racer, and lots of first and second places in major events. What was it like Racing. Let's. Uh, we we talked a little bit about the Olympics, and I want you to detail your Olympic experience because you really had a shot at a medal. But I want to ask you first what it was like racing in all across Europe and being in the pro peloton with the best cyclists in the world during yeah. those years. What was that like? It was an honor. It was phenomenal. It was seeing all different kinds of all different countries in different times of the year, different cultures. Um, my favorite was Italy just because I loved the landscape uh, I also loved the people and the culture and the food and everything um, like racing the Giro d'Italia so a lot of people don't know that the women race that race too for us it was 10 days but it was our longest stage race so it was our tour de France um, and we, that was always during the 4th of July and in fact the year of the Olympic Games I won against all those girls that were in the Olympics mm-hmm. I beat them all in a, one, in a straight up sprint and it's my claim to fame it's the picture that I have like blown up because it's got the world champion the German champion the all these champion jerseys right next to me and I'm like celebrating the That's victory awesome. that, that picture's on your website right? Is, yeah so should be. I've seen that yeah. picture yeah so and then what is your website it's Shelly Olds Shelly Olds USA yeah okay so we'll put a link in the show notes but if somebody's listening they want yeah. to check it out. So take, us take us through that sprint take us through that sprint oh it's a you know it's part of a 10 day stage race so you're like I was racing for a leader we had a girl that could win it so I was you know like Lance Armstrong he's got domestics all around a GC a general classification so we had one but we also were going for stage wins and I was a sprinter on the team and so I raced for a Dutch team that year and I had all kinds of really good riders on the team so for me to get like the support of the team to to win the sprint was like such an honor so I was racing with some of the best riders in the world on my team against also the best riders sure um really hard stage it just like rolling 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 maybe six days into the tour so you're like working every day and your legs are tired everybody's tired and it just came down to and this is really sad for me because the the person who helped me at the end so since has passed Ooh. but she so we, she's not a sprinter at all. She's like a climber. So we're coming into the sprint. It's like 1K to go, and they're doing a whole lead-out. Like, there's all the best riders in their team doing trains, doing lead-out trains on one side of the road. It was this big open road, long straightaway going into the finish. And I'm on the other side. And this girl comes in front of me, and for some reason that day, she just had, like, superhuman strength. <laughs> and she was matching this, the train of that. So I didn't have to be involved So she's whatsoever. pulling you. So she's yeah. driving me to the finish and matching the speed of them on the other side of the road so I had a clean sprint mm. all I had 
had to do was stay, stay, wait, and go before they started to jump out of their train. And I did, and I won by like a lot, actually. So, because they were all mixed up fighting first positions, and I was over here. And they didn't see you coming. Yeah, they didn't that see me awesome. coming. It was incredible. And I was like, so. It's so humbling, like to have this girl do that. I knew she wasn't comfortable doing it. She was strong enough to do it, but you know, it's climbers don't thing. usually get involved yeah. in the sprint. Yeah. You know, yeah. so she did that, and yeah, so th wild. that was the most, and that was like a couple days, a couple weeks before the Olympic Games. Okay. And if yeah. you want to hear more of that story, well, I do. I just <laughs> first of all, I want to give Dan a little dig here because he thinks okay. road biking is boring. No, look, I was gonna say, <laughs> tell John, me that's boring. Look, John, I was gonna say. I am not, and people listening may not know, but I am not a road rider. I don't ride drop bars. Okay. I don't have a lot of interest in it, okay? But what I do have a lot of interest in is I love the um, the strategy in, in road racing. Yes. So I'm a, yes. I'm a big F1 nerd. I love it. I love the data and all the little details that make the race really exciting. Okay. And I get that from road racing. So. Okay. I like the, the there's sprinters and there's uh, you know there's yeah general classification yep. and there's like they, there's different jobs yep. within the the group yeah and yeah. Uh, so I like that that right. is interesting to right. me yeah. um, maybe one day if you ask really nicely and Whittle let me borrow a bike I will ride a road bike with you oh, we're turning him I will, oh, good. but look <laughs> good. I'm good. not putting on lycra I'm gonna wear my baggies I know. Okay. I'm, I'm in the same it. point yeah. now. You will, well, you wear your baggies, but I am not gonna. <laughs> I am not gonna get on my mountain bike and try to downhill with you because that, you know, it'll just you result it. in in contusions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but um, Shelly, let's get back to you. Uh, you were in the Olympic road race, and that you had a chance to medal, and things just didn't go your way, unfortunately, and it had nothing to do with your ability. So take us through towards the, you know, set up the race and then take us through what happened that day. This yeah. is London 2012. Yeah. Okay. That's cycling. That's yeah. cycling for you. Um, so really the Olympic Games and qualifying for the Olympic Games, making the team is the, the hardest part. And that's the journey you have to appreciate. That's what I learned from that whole experience is that whatever happens, happens. If you make it that far and you're there and you perform on the day, you just have to be proud of what you did. And, and I was, but so I showed up really in good form. Like I was trying to lose that like one or two extra pounds, which you, you really had to find line because if you lose a little bit too much weight, you'll lose power, right? So it was like, I was really just trying to be in peak, perf peak form, right? So, and I was, my training went perfectly. Um, there's a lot of funny stories that go up to qualifying, but I, I basically qualified like three different times and then they shut, they said no, and then they qualified me and then said no, and then qualified me and said no. So ultimately I end up there on okay. the team. Okay. And, and the race is pouring rain and it's in London and it starts in Bir Birmingham Palace. We start there, so it's beautiful scenery, uh -huh. right? And we start out and it's pouring rain, our like, whole race was pouring rain, but still fans all over the sides of the roads with clappers. So it was like so much noise, so much chaos, and it was such a crazy feeling to have like athletes describe being in a zone. Just the only way I can describe it was I completely blocked out all of the noise. Like I was, you know, you couldn't hit your brakes because you'd, you'd slide. Yeah. But I remember like coming through a corner and sliding into a German girl who was one of my favorite. But yeah. she and I, neither one of us reacted. We just held each other up kept going yeah. so it was like this wow. it just was all things were so perfect then I had a tactical plan which was 
to key in on the best rider in the race, which was the Dutch girl, Mariana Voss. Yes. And um, she was nervous, you could tell. She was like, she was trying to make a move happen. She was trying, cause it was like, there were a couple decisive parts in the race and it was 140K, which is like four hours of mm -hmm. racing, right? So there was a couple of decisive points, but for the most part, unless you did something to break up the group, it might come down to a sprint. And she didn't want that. So she was trying to break Va up. Voss did, did not so want that. She was trying to go off the front. Right. Okay. And so there was one point that I had done in the training with my coach at the time. And he said, this is the critical moment. This is it right here. Nobody's going to think it's this point, but mm -hmm. this is it. And I'll tell you why, because you feel you've done this much of the race already. Your legs are tired. You take this downhill and then it pitches up. That's the moment. He said, you need to be on her in that moment. And sure enough, she attacked in that moment. I was the only one to go with her and we separated from the group, right? So it's two of us riding away. Then like a little bit after that, the Russian girl and the Great Britain girl bridged up to us. So now we're a group of four riding away from the bunch and there's no one left in the bunch to chase because now USA is not chasing, Holland's not chasing. Because they don't want to come after you. Yeah, exactly, right, sure. exactly. Yeah. we race right. as a team. So they're, they're like basically blocking the rest of the group. The only big country that was left to chase was Italy and like I said Switzerland so we are we're riding away and we're holding this gap of like 20 seconds but we knew no one was gonna close it so we're just holding everybody's yeah. working everybody's working and then 10k to go it's a pouring rain you can't see potholes it's just co oh, covered in rain okay. in uh, water so I hit a pothole that was a puddle and yeah. of course you have your really nice wheels pumped all the way up like oh, yeah Right. So it flatted right away, and I knew it. I could feel so it. I started four, to bounce. Four of you at that point. <laughs> four of us. And you are one of the two best sprinters. Yeah. And there's three medals. Yeah, and okay. I had won a race against them like a couple weeks earlier. Right. Like, so, so you had really high confidence. She even wrote in the pre-race like report, like I was one of her threats. Like me and the Italian girl were like two people she was worried about, so, which was such an honor, right? right? I mean, I was no, I didn't think I was anybody. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so then, uh, yeah. So I, I pull over right away. Normally, you know, you're trained to just take the wheel. You start taking, you pull over, you start taking the wheel off so it's off. As soon as they get there, yeah. they put it in and push back in. I could have, theoretically, I could have gotten back in the brake if they did it quick enough. But they didn't, they weren't there. There was no moto there. So they, I'm on the side of the road, like with my hand up, watch the moto go by. Then the whole peloton goes by. And then finally a car pulls over, gives me a wheel. It even took long to change the wheel, front wheel. Yeah. Like That's it even bad. took front long. Wheel. I'm like, that should be let's five go. Yeah. yeah. So then push me back in, it's pouring rain. I'm starting to like cry because on the bike, because I'm like, I can't believe that just happened. Like yeah. I'm in the Olympic games and it's, it's over. Right. So I'm like, no, just keep like, just try to get back to the group. So I get back to the group and my teammates are there and they're like, we thought you were in the break. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So that they get to the front and we start to chase, but it was too late. It was already yeah. like 5k to go or something. Now the gr three girls in the front are riding like crazy yeah. because it's three medals. Hard. Right. So when there's four, you may be holding back a little bit, but when there's three, you're like, who cares? Like everybody's got a medal here. So let's go. Oh. Right. And so, so I ultimately sprinted for seventh, out of, seventh overall. So I was like fourth in the in the field sprint. So I like, get, ended up getting back to the front of the group. I mean, didn't it, have much left at that. Uh, point. Yeah, I can't imagine the sprint you had to do to get, yeah. get back up there. Emotionally, um, so, was harder. <laughs> Emotionally. So it was a pothole that did it in. Yeah. And it was the front. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then I. That's had even an unusual front. Usually, it's like usually it's a rear. Yeah, I don't know. We were in a breakaway. You know, I was like way yeah. far forward, and there's some cool pictures of like the rain and being in the break and yeah so man um well you know in that situation it was just a flat but 
you've had some kind of some bad crashes before too, right? Yeah, Unfortunately, um, can you kind of talk about that? Um, yeah, this the safety is safety of the sport. Yeah, ultimately, why I retired from cycling was multiple head injuries, and you know that's it's such a hard injury to describe or to explain or to have anybody understand, but you, right? And even you don't understand it because you don't know the the risk of getting back on your bike and riding that same ride or the next day, right? So I first, one of the first, before I even started racing, I got hit head on by a motorcycle. Oh my so gosh. I hit the handlebars of the motorcycle, went over my, I was on my bike, went oh over geez. the side of a mountain, got taken out in a helicopter. And I don't remember, I woke up in the helicopter. So you were just like commuting to work or? I was riding ride. with my boyfriend. Right. Okay. We were just oh doing a training gosh. ride. Wow. And it was, it was so weird, but I got back on the bike. That's how much I loved it. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's like such a random thing. It's not gonna happen. But it does happen, unfortunately, mm -hmm. and I was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, not on the cover, I was in the pictures of the week in Sports Illustrated. I had a two-page spread of one of my major crashes at oh World Championships gosh. in Copenhagen. But I mean, claim to fame, women's cycling was never, and never has been again, been in Sports Illustrated. So, but I, I broke my teeth, so I went like head first into the ground. I'll knock these out. Yeah. <laughs> Too. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's a head injury. But what do you do? You get back up and you go, yeah. all right, I lost a couple of teeth. Let's go. I can race tomorrow. I got yeah. this. That's yeah. what it is every time. And you get back up and you go, okay, all right, broken rib. Okay, I can't race. But you get back up and you don't have a broken, yeah. you have road rash or whatever. You don't think about your head. And the thing was, I had done it over and over again and had never given it like the, the respect that it deserved. Mm -hmm. And so... Ultimately, I got to a point where my last head injury was in Belgium in February of 2016. I was getting ready for the Olympics again. I was on the long list. And uh, I came around a corner. So Belgium is all cobbles. It's mm -hmm. really big cobbles. Right. And yeah, it was right. raining. So I came around this corner. Oh. I was, like, chasing the bunch. And there was a girl that had crashed in the, in the middle of the cobbles. And so I just had no chance to stop hit yeah. her. And then went head first and w woke up, like, came out and was like... That was a bad one. Like that was a really bad one. Like I, I'm sh shook. When, when you know right. it, yeah, it's real bad. And you break, break your helmet. And yeah, really bad. Yeah. It, but my coach was so, like, so focused on me making the Olympic team and getting every point that I could. And then he put that in me. Like, oh, you got to get up. You were in the break. You could have got points. You could have. Yeah. Like, there's a points to get. You're gonna qualify for the Olympics. Blah, blah, blah. So you, you just like. Forget about yourself, and you go, okay, my hand's not broken, I can ride. Yep. You know, or my leg's not broken, I right. can ride. Yeah. And you, you just go. And the very next day, I got on a plane and flew to Italy. That was another mistake. And then in Italy, I just wasn't right. And so I crashed for some stupid reason. Like, I shouldn't have crashed and mm -hmm. just crashed. And then you go, okay, I need to step away from this. And you finally just tell people, I need to step away. You might not understand what's going on with me, but something's going on with yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. And I need to figure it out. Yeah. So I went into Tahoe, and I stayed in this con condo on the lake. If you've ever been to Tahoe, it's absolutely beautiful. And it was like summertime. It was gorgeous. I couldn't be with any of the windows open, nothing. Oh, I was yeah. in a cave for yep. a month. And I couldn't have anybody visit me. I couldn't look at the phone. I couldn't look at the computer without getting nauseous. Is this self-induced or the doctors tell you this? Self-induced because I couldn't um, be around people because it, I couldn't look at screen. I couldn't hear voices. Yeah. So your brain is so shook. That's yeah. literally what happens. So you and I on a normal with a normal brain, we're in this coffee shop or whatever. You're not processing every. You are processing, but you're only take. You're only being aware of what you need to at the time. Mm -hmm. But when your brain is all shook. You're like, you can't decipher the, the vibration, the noise, the light, 
the pitch of your voice and his voice. I'm hearing all of it and feeling all of it so much that it's like, I can only say like anxiety, sensory overload, sensory yeah. overload. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it ultimately made me nauseous, headaches oh. for like two years of my life. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong with when, me or how I mean, to treat it. When, when do you get medical care? In, I, in this I tried. I went to a sports medicine doctor that specialized in, in concussion. But what they they don't know either. They don't know what to do. So there's like medicine, like she, like headache medicine. Uh, none of it works, right? None yeah. of it works. Wow. And then stay in a quiet room. Don't look at your phone. Right. And I did all that. Yeah. And, and then it took me like years to be able to go back to work, right? I was... I was not able to work and then when I did wow. go back to work it was because I'm the type of person that won't stay in a closed room in the dark I need to so even if it hurts me so much to be out in public yeah I need to be out in public yeah like I described this one time I went walking on the beach with a hat glasses on like I used to put reflexors reflexors reflectors, reflectors. on my car windows because I could not handle any oh lights in the windows uh, glasses, hat, walking on the sand, every step I took was like sh like pounding my oh head. My and then like this fly flew by me and I swear it was like a rocket. Like oh. this is, so you yeah. said it perfectly. It's sensory overload and it leads to like, I thought sometimes I could have a seizure. Like yeah. I was so yeah. nerves, like moving all the time. Like yeah. just crazy. And ultimately I went to all kinds of doctor doctors, um, Neurologist, sports medicine, specialist in concussion. Were you able to, so did you kind of self-diagnose uh, and heal yourself? Or was this, like, did it just take time? Yeah, yeah. time. Is time. I mean, I self-diagnose is like, everyone diagnosed me. They even flew me to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, and I saw a neurologist there, another one. And they <laughs> the did an MRI. Yeah, right. <laughs> and MRI, and they found like a white spot on my brain, but they weren't, that's just a bruise, they said. Yeah. So they're like, you know, that doesn't just really tell us anything. Are you following like this NFL stuff? Yeah, it's it makes me thing. sick. It's the same yeah. thing, right? Yeah, so I'm I'm affiliated with somebody who's working mm -hmm. on something that is, that. so I ultimately, part of my healing was this thing I just did recently. Um, I went to, I was living in Arizona, I went to California, my sponsor's there. So it's brain frequency therapy, mm -hmm. and they're using it to treat like ex-NFL players and uh, UFC fighters and boxers and all kinds of people who people have had head hard. injuries. Yeah. And yeah. what happens with them is that they get hit over and over yeah. and they don't stop, and then when they do stop, they don't get treatment for years, yeah. and probably they end up drinking or something to like yeah. manage the yeah. pain. Yeah, self-medicating. Yeah. yeah. And so it ultimately is a lot harder to treat them, but I had a ton of success because one, I'm younger, two, I didn't hit my head like as much as they did, probably right. 10 massive concussions, but I also <laughs> stepped away from a long time and I had really gotten a handle on my life. Like I wasn't, cause I was like depressed when all that happened. I, I can't um, imagine. I, yeah, I, I really was. Yeah. I was crying myself to sleep because it hurt so much. And, Absolutely. And the crying would relieve the, pl the pressure cause it was like a pressure headache all yeah. the time. Yeah. And so I was just miserable. I couldn't go out in public. I couldn't hang out with people. If I went, I'd be like, I gotta get out of the house. Can I come over to your house? But can we not turn the lights on? Can we not turn the TV on? Yeah. So I had a couple of friends that were like, nice enough to do that with me but how horrible is that hey can I come over and be like a Debbie Downer right yeah, <laughs> you know right you know so so anyways I started this treatment first what they do is an EEG which is a map of your brain and your electrical um, status of your brain like how it's firing I have the da data right here Very um, okay. so I did an EEG and it was crazy the leads that I was low on 
So this is the this is what happened. This I know is, this, this is Shelly pulling out all kinds of documentation <laughs> yeah. to show to us. Look at these leads though. Five percent of my brain was firing in the area that controls language, reading comprehension, oh verbal gosh. expression, working memory, word retrieval, semantics, divided and selective attention, which is so funny because I could have told you I'm not the same person. I can't remember stuff. I can't find a word when I want to like in school I was very articulate. Like uh -huh. I did public speaking and stuff. Right. And Words would come. Right. Words wouldn't Word, come anymore. Uh, they were like, I felt stupid. So I like wouldn't talk to somebody like you guys. You know what I mean? I'd feel like I couldn't put words together. Mm -hmm. So I'm really low. So I, this is my first EEG. Then this is my second one after treatment. So oh look at the goodness. progress. Yeah. And that's 20 sessions of uh, magnetic like um, stimulation, right? It's mm -hmm. very low frequency magnetic stimulation. And it just reactivates like the nerve impulses that stop yeah you're, I mean your body it, it's magnet it's yep. it's magnetic impulses yep. that's what's controlling us yep. that's how we're doing it so it makes sense but that's fascinating yeah that, it worked that, and so a sponsor was who helped you achieve this yeah right? I worked that's with awesome. him for 10 years now but he just started getting into this and there, like he he wants me to get an uh, EEG machine and, and start to use it here, or like at Virginia Tech, because it's a baseline. Yeah, it's a baseline. So yep. then maybe they don't have a problem now, but we have a baseline. Then right. if they hit their head, sure. you see what the damage is, and you can treat it. Yeah, and right. Virginia Tech does the helmet study, they which do is the helmet study, which yeah. is really fascinating. Right. Um, and I, I wanted to say real quickly, I have um, I coach a junior team. Mm -hmm. People are probably tired of hearing me saying this. <laughs> I'm really proud of these kids, though. It's a downhill team, mm -hmm. and so they're competing they're riding very fast, yeah. like incredibly yeah. fast through trees and rocks. And I had uh, one of my racers, Rowan, um, Rowan, shout out to you, um, went down at an enduro recently. He broke both of his wrists, one oh. required surgery. But one of the things that I was proud of um, our team and our decisions was that uh, he had no neck or brain yeah. or any sort of trauma. And it's because of the uh, protective gear he's wearing, like the neck brace and the helmet. Mm -hmm. So we're a big believer <clears throat> in the technology that you know Virginia Tech is helping with, and and that like the things that you are doing, honestly, yeah. to help people be safer yeah. because cycling is an incredible sport, like uh -huh. a worldwide phenomenon, yeah. right? Sure. But it's also can be incredibly dangerous. Like people yeah. get hurt all the and time. You have one little helmet. You on. have one helmet and on. Nothing so, on your body. And so. people will come in and they're wearing a helmet that's. 15 years yeah. old. It's not on their head right. It's, it's like yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. way up there. Yeah. And their forehead is sticking out. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, this helmet is a hundred dollars, but what's your brain worth to you? Right. Right. Like, what's it worth to you? Right. And, um, so, true. so it's, uh, it's scary. Like road accidents are, and you guys are wearing a lot less than these kids yeah. are. There. Yeah. It's Lycra, Lycra it's and a helmet. And a helmet. <clears throat> so the thing is once I hit my head multiple times, it didn't matter if I hit my head again when I fell. Right. It was just falling. It was falling. It was just falling well, in the whiplash. It's that movement yeah. of your brain, like, and that's what, you know, MIPS, you're looking at MIPS helmets mm -hmm. and it is supposed to transfer that rotation and mm -hmm. reduce the amount of like kind of sloshing your brain yeah. does. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that you probably had a whole lot of that because this is probably tons. before MIPS was really a thing. Yeah, um, it was way before because MIPS yeah. helmets have only been out for like five years. Uh, maybe a little bit more, but really? yeah, I mean it's it's relatively new technology. It's like they were just trying to make the helmet more and more aero yeah. oh, back yeah. then well, when I was racing. Yeah. How light can it be? How light and how can fast it be? Can and then how be? protective right. can it be? Honestly, yeah. 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 like <clears throat> yeah, so. Really phenomenal results. And, and the thing is, I felt the difference. So when this came, I was like, yeah, like it was working. I felt like it was working. I felt like I was waking up. 
that's literally cool. that's how yeah. I can describe it. Like after a couple of treatments, I was like, okay, you don't like you can't put it in. You actually can because you can see it here. But um, I really felt like I was starting. Now I do feel a little bit articulate again. Absolutely. But just so people understand, you're showing us two graphs, and these graphs show which part of your brain is functioning, which part isn't. And there's probably what nineteen leads. Nineteen different parts of your oh, brain yeah, and, and, and the graph shows okay this part of your brain is doing a hundred percent and this mm -hmm. part is doing five percent and it's the ones doing five percent was your articulate part. Yeah. Well, yeah but but since this since you went through this treatment those are almost back to normal yeah and they're never gonna they don't all need to be a hundred percent like right. it's, for whatever right. reason you can have low energy in your brain right it can be day-to-day -day, it can be different but this is like something that's from trauma right and there's multiple reasons why you could have trauma it can be a car accident can be a, any kind of accident can be emotional trauma can be you know family mm -hmm. member died or mm -hmm. something or alcoholism or drug addiction mm -hmm. I mean there's a lot of reasons why your brain shuts down and this is trying to address Alzheimer's they're also using this for Alzheimer's Very to cool. try I to wake up say, yeah I, you can see too um, emotional availability yeah. emotional expression and yeah. those are things that yeah when you have a, an accident and you feel vulnerable like that's obviously going to drop really hard especially yeah. when your brain's not working right yeah right that's, that's wild it's it's really is amazing you've been to, able to bounce back as well as you have if if this is something people want to like learn more about is that something that you can yeah I can like, get a link for you I have a very nice video that shows how to use it and the company that does it okay that, that'd be cool yeah. Yeah. I'd love to why, how it works sure. and what I put that in the show notes for <clears throat> sure how, how many times have you been carted away in an ambulance uh, you know never I'm a really good crasher yeah um, so I have uh, uh, aced the art of just going ragdoll, yeah. and uh, <laughs> we'll talk about it later, but yeah, walking yeah. away. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't mean I won't or haven't had some bad ones, but I've actually never ridden in an ambulance. Oh, wow. Um, you have. So. Yeah. I've heard of I have, ambulance. yeah. yeah no, I was yeah. talking to Ron Circa. I don't know how to Ron say his last name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ron he, he was telling me, actually, about <clears throat> some of the crashes that you've had. It's really upsetting. Because yeah, it had yeah, to do no. with bike mechanic stuff, right? Yeah, I, I had a pedal just break off. Yeah. Ooh. Just literally, I was sprinting up a hill, and the pedal broke off. And so all of a sudden, I just went, and yeah. my front wheel went in a ditch. And I went between a phone pole and a stop sign that was just shoulder width. Oh. And it, it, God must have been looking out yeah, for me absolutely. because I, instead of hitting either one of them, I went between them. And I walked away from that wow. one. I literally am walking across the grass with my pedal still attached to my cleat. <sighs> Yeah. yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah, and I did I did a blog on that. It's still my most read blog yeah. on carlandthecyclist.com. And I, I got an email from somebody in Bali this week. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you wow. know, who's like, I mean, I get emails from people all over the world. Really? The same problem. It was a, a high-end Shimano crank. Shimano replaced it. Yeah, but Thank they you, need but to they, recall they, it. They should recall it. Yeah. They should recall it. Because because and I can just tell that there's a ton of people who are having problems well, with this crank because I get, I get, you know, every day I get 30 people who read that blog. Yeah. All around the world. That's crazy. So, but that one I walked away from. But I was riding in Vermont and I still don't know why, but I wound up in a ditch. And you still don't know why? I still don't know why. Don't That's remember crazy. anything. And uh, I was That's riding with my weird. wife and, and another couple. They rode right by me because I'd gone over in the tall grass and I was in front of them. Oh, man. So and they don't know why you crashed. <clears throat> they, know, they, they all of a sudden were like, where's John? Like we were, at a, we normally stop at the store. They got to the store and I wasn't there. And so then the next thing I know is like my cell phone is ringing. Jeez. 
and they said, where are you? I said, I don't know. Oh, no. Uh, I don't know where I That's was. That's a massive concussion. And, right, exactly. And so, um, and so they said, well, what do you see? And I looked around and I said, I see a red <laughs> tractor. <laughs> and my buddy Gary had seen the tractor. She said, I know where you are. Okay. And he, he came back and got me, and, and he'd already called the ambulance, and they, they took me away. They said, oh. I knew my name by then, but I couldn't tell him who the president was. Oh, no. I said, who's yeah, the president of the United States? I couldn't tell. That's right. uh, and so that was... I wonder was what bad. happened. Yeah. Um, you maybe home. hit something in the road, and it just kind of took you down. <clears throat> we went back and looked. Yeah. You know, I mean, I could have been forced off by a car. Yeah. It was 100 degrees that day. Oh, um, man, yeah. Could have been just yeah. a brief moment of heat stroke. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but Chris, our service director here at Cardinal, yeah. um, he was commuting home, actually, and he just hit, he hit a pothole that he wasn't planning for, yeah. actually right out here. It's fixed now, believe it or not. Um, but he hit it, and he went over on his head, and he woke up in the, the ambulance going to the hospital. Yeah. And uh, Does he it, remember it? I don't think he well, remember. He, he doesn't knows, remember He knows anything. he had a pothole. Yeah, he knows it. he hit something. Yeah. But he it it messed him up. But once again, like, he's wearing a, a, the correct helmet. Yeah, that's good. And, and no, he definitely was concussed. Yeah. <laughs> he was 100% concussed. Yeah, but, for sure. Um, but he, you know, he's 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 fine. Um, so, sure. but there, yeah, I mean, people have them all the time. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. Yeah. Like cars. And they don't everything. understand. You talked about an NFL. This thing was yeah. so upsetting to me. But the, actually, the, the one with the Miami Dolphins guy, the Tua. Yeah, Tua. Because it was visual, mm -hmm. it was actually probably the best thing that could have happened. Like, to kind of wake up people to like, because we always go, he hit his head and he got up and he was wobbly. He yeah, went into he, like yeah. fetal position. Yeah. I went, my no, I was like nauseous when I saw it. But at the yeah. same time, I was like, this is like the whole world is seeing this right mm -hmm. now and can put it, quantify, like quantify right. the injury. Like yeah. right. it's, this is what it did to him. Like yeah. he went back into being an infant. Right. You know, exactly. I mean, it's exactly. like your brain. He did something with his hands that yeah. they said he was also like, demonic. Yeah, they, yeah. they uh, yeah. When, when you don't have, I forget what they call it, but yeah, like all the, yeah. He, they they go in directions they shouldn't go your fingers yeah. and everything because the muscles are firing out yeah. of order, um, yeah. and I, I've seen it I've seen people crash on, on bikes and hit the ground so hard that they go out like you know they're out yeah and then they wake up and they start they really? start doing that um, yeah and it's like it's like a seizure basically yeah right yep well we are just uh, we're the poster children for the uh, <laughs> advocacy for cycling here today are we not <laughs> yeah. But you know what? The fact is, well, but it's, you know, I mean, you're, you're back, and, yeah. and, and I still love it, and uh, I mean, I could talk about numerous other crashes that I've had and broken elbows and all kinds of stuff, but, um, <clears throat> but it's never stopped me from riding my no. bike. So now you are back, mm -hmm. and you are coaching for Roanoke College, so you are starting a team from scratch. What is that like? What's going on? How are you approaching this? Give us the whole lowdown on <laughs> Roanoke College and D3 cycling team. So the sky is the limit with this program, and my vision is the top. Like what I saw as a professional cyclist overseas, this is what I want to bring to Roanoke College. Like I want us to be the premier program in the in the country. I know that one of the most well-known cycling programs in the country is in Indiana, Marion University. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why they would be better than us in terms of like, we have this terrain here. We, got it we, all. Have, mm -hmm. we have everything. Year-round training is possible. All different kinds of uh, options like roads, 
uh, little towns that are really nice to ride and you can drive out to and ride long flat roads that you can even motor pace on if we got that Absolutely. far. So, I mean, there's just like endless opportunity here for the riders. Um, like I said, I want it to be top notch. So I want to bring in, it's it's so it's not so much about bringing in the best riders. I just want to de develop the best program so that we, because I didn't start riding until after college. So I know that any rider I bring in, even if they've never ridden a bike before, I could potentially make them an Olympian or help them, not make them, right. but help them become an Olympian. It's possible. Awesome. I am the like the example of that. Yeah. I had not yeah. touched a bike my whole life and I came in from playing soccer so I had the engine and I had the competitive edge if you mm -hmm. will, if you will you have to have that yeah and I had the training eth and etiquette or ethics right or what's the word I'm looking for I don't know you know what I mean I had the, I the, discipline, the work, the work, yeah, the work ethic yeah. and, and discipline yeah. and I love being part of a team so that's how I want to develop this team is the, like a team not yeah. individual riders yeah. because most people don't understand that cycling is a team sport right. it takes the whole team to win a race yep. right. one person crosses the line but that jersey is represented by six other people usually that's the number mm -hmm. in right. pro right. and everyone has to do their part for that person to cross the line first sure. every single one of them so that's the kind of the um, mentality I want to instill in the team and I want to bring in men and women alike and have them train together. I, I trained with men and women my whole career. I learned something from both of them. Um, so I just think I just want it to be the best that it possibly can be. It's very exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. And you are literally starting from scratch. Yeah. Right? You don't, you're like, how many, do you even have a team that five. you, you have five people? Yeah, four, four men and one woman. But I have full support from the college, which is great. Like, yes. the college wants this program to succeed. And they trust me, I think, in terms of what I am asking for. I'm asking for the things that we need to, yeah. you know, to draw people in here. And it's reasonable to think that this place, Roanoke, Virginia, yeah is like it's an epicenter it, for it's i said it before like before we started recording but this is uh Roanoke is due for this and uh, Roanoke has rallied around a lot of different things in the past that have not necessarily panned out um pro or whatever mm -hmm. but um cycling is something that we have already uh, embraced like the town has already embraced Yep. It, it continues to get better and better, mm -hmm. like literally by the day, some some months. Yeah, and uh, it's time. Like we can support a team, like a pro level team. Yeah, um, team twenty twenty four is here, which yep. is incredible. Yeah. but yep. we can yeah. also support this college. Yeah, and I think that it's awesome that they saw this opportunity and pulled you in. Yeah, and then gave you a, a blank canvas to start yeah. this program. Yeah. Um, so that that's exciting for me. And I in you know, selfishly being a coach that works with a lot of kids, I hope I can just steer some of your direction <laughs> for the future. Yes. Well that yes. would that it would just be so cool to see that happen. And Absolutely. I, and I have no idea does a does a D three school go to a race and there's D one schools yes. there as well. Yes. And you cannot offer scholarships. No. Because you're and we're not even considered D three. Like we are club or varsity. And the line ah. between the two is like unclear and it's like doesn't make much sense to go varsity because the clubs do the same thing you show up all at the same events compete mm -hmm. against each other right. if you move up through the rankings it doesn't matter if you're d3 or d1 right so yeah. you're right it's very confusing it for is. me because i yeah. played d3 soccer and sure. yeah there's no scholarships allowed but 
So there's a lot of work for me to do to kind of find out ways I can like get money for riders that I want to bring in, like scholarships from USA Cycling or or something like that. Well, but you know, still, so I'm looking, so somebody's listening to this Mm -hmm. and they are uh, either a parent or or somebody who maybe wants to go to college and see what they have for mm-hmm. cycling, they can come to Virginia's Blue Ridge. Mm-hmm. They can attend Roanoke College, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic college. Beautiful, beautiful campus. Beautiful campus and unbelievable educational experience. And then be trained by an Olympian. And you know, and you're affiliated with Nicola, mm-hmm. Team 2024, which produces Olympians. So there's all this synergy happening. So somebody might come here <clears throat> And become an Olympian going through your program. That's that's kind of your goal, right? Yeah, absolutely. Male or female. Yeah. Mountain bike. Road. Road. Cycle cross. Whatever. Yeah. The sky is the limit for them. If they want to get that far, I'll get them there. That's you know, I'll do whatever I can to get them there. And we we have the knowledge here and the support also to to give them what they need to Mm -hmm. do it. Then it's on them if they want to take it that far. Mm -hmm. But you know. It's it's all possible, and I would I want the best. I want them to be the best. I want them to go as far as they possibly can. You still have that work ethic, don't you? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, I'm trying to do everything today. <laughs> that competitive edge. She doesn't just say, "Oh, I, you know, I want to bring some kids in and have a good time." It's like, no, yeah. I want this to be the best cycling program yeah. in the country. Yeah. Well, I had a meeting with the team yesterday, and I said, "You guys are not a club team. You might be categorized as a club, but we are a professional team, and I expect the most from you. I expect you to race like the professional team." that I raced against in the Olympic Games. Like, mm-hmm. you are the inaugural Rono College cycling team, and someday we're going to be the best in the country. So That's, that's awesome. I love it. That is I awesome. I love everything about it. That's great. <laughs> so, like, how do you, what do you look for? Sponsors? I mean, do you Yeah. Have, yeah, can, can you have sponsors? Yes. As a, okay. Yes, right. I can. You probably need a bike sponsor, right? Yeah. So, the, it has to get that big. Bikes are tough because, like, they're coming from different places different experience like once I start recruiting at a certain level where I'm bringing in people that are really experienced have had race experience like are honed in on only one season or something and do their training so they once I get to that level then the elite team should have the same bikes and the same helmets and the same but right now it's just a matter of getting out there supporting them at races and giving them a training program like making them feel Mm -hmm. what it's like to be a part of a professional team and then, like, I didn't get anything for a long time. And so that's a nice thing to do as you're, because it's hard in cycling. Mm-hmm. you got to earn it. And you're, you'll appreciate a lot more when you've earned it over the years. You, you know, when mm-hmm. you've, you get a pair of gloves, like I said in the beginning. I got that pair of gloves and I was like, oh my, thank you. Yeah. Like, this is amazing gloves. <laughs> and now it's like you get five pairs of gloves, you know, in the professional team, sure. you get seven kits and, you know. And you're, but you got to wear everything is very professional. And so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, it's exciting to me too, to hear you like when you're talking about uh, getting more female representation. Um, I have a daughter who's 12, going to be 13 very soon. Izzy, I love you. And (laughs) she is, so she races on my downhill team and she was the only girl this season. Mm -hmm. People have heard me say this before. Um, my goal is to grow female ridership in downhill. It's a big, yeah. a big thing for me, yeah. and a lot of it is nice. just that like they need they need the th- like a pair of gloves, yeah. They or they need the helmet or mm-hmm. they need the thing, the bike. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
and then also the just the opportunity. And there are there's some great girls in the valley that I'm really hoping to put on my team this season. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, if anybody's interested in sponsoring RVD Gravity, please reach out to me. <laughs> but uh, we're we're lucky. We do have some good sponsors too, and it is a big part of cycling. Like you gotta you gotta you know use your leverage where you can yeah. because if, oh, if sure. not like it's expensive and hard yeah i mean i asked for everything and anything when i was racing yep. i just reached out to companies and a lot of companies they'll sponsor one person mm-hmm. i had a lot of just and i wasn't real good about social media but nowadays i mean back then it wasn't as big as it is now but now it's like you can promote a product like mm-hmm. in a second you can get it all over the world your yeah, you know, instagram you, and yeah all that. exactly yeah, for sure so that's that's really big in our sport for yeah. sure just getting okay. the word out yeah well, um, so if anybody wants to get in touch with you at Roanoke College, is there an email address? Mm-hmm. Or what is it? It's my last name, Olds, O-L-D-S, at roanoke.edu. Okay. Easy. Yep. <clears throat> so let's, uh, let's hope the podcast helps you recruit kids, and we've got somebody in here who's one of your protégés <laughs> that's really killing it. Yeah. I, cool, I can't wait it? to interview one of your uh, one of your your top tier athletes. In yeah. The future. Oh, be awesome. nice. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah, I love that. We're yeah. we're looking forward to it, right? Yep, yeah, we definitely <laughs> are. Shelly, thank you for joining us. My today. pleasure. We'll get back to the Rider Up podcast in just a moment, but first, a quick note about Virginia's Blue Ridge. You'll hear Dan and I talk a lot about Virginia's Blue Ridge in the podcast because that's where we live and ride. Virginia's Blue Ridge offers what we lovingly call a Metro Mountain Mix, a place where you can play in the mountains while enjoying the arts and culture in and around Roanoke, Virginia, home to many museums, restaurants, festivals, shopping, and so much more. We hope you'll bring your bike, go for a ride, and check out all the region has to offer. Go to visitvbr.com for all things Virginia's Blue Ridge. All right, um, that was awesome to hear Shelley's uh, story, uh, and we only got a little bit of it. Uh, I think the thing that really got me was, um, you know, her her injuries and yeah. how she was able to bounce back from that. Um, that's something that's important to me, like safety of riders, and you know, the technology that they're using now to help help people get back and help her get back was pretty staggering and. Now she is, she's here at Renner College in Virginia's Blue Ridge, and she is uh, starting a pro-level team. Like that, that's her goal, and uh, it's just a pretty incredible story. It is, and you look at what she wants to do. She is so resolute that here she is at a— It's already decided. A liberal arts college in Virginia in yep. the mountains, and it's Division Three. It's a club sport, and she fully expects to produce Olympians. It's it, it, she. She knows she's gonna do it, and uh, you gotta respect somebody that has that drive and those goals. And she's met the goals that she had before, so I I wouldn't bet against her. Well, I wouldn't either. She <laughs> did it. She came out of Roanoke College as a soccer player. Yep. Riding with her boyfriend, and he and beating her boyfriend, who's like a big time cyclist, and he looks at her and said, "Holy cow, you are good. you could be pro, you right. could be go to the Olympics." And, and he was right. And then and then she goes and she rides in the in the pro peloton in Europe and and does well. I mean, you, you look at her website. Yeah, it's incredible. And she's got all these first and second places, and she was a sprinter. And I mean, I mean, it's just a long list. You have to scroll through yeah. the whole list. Yeah. Um, so and then overcoming all those injuries. And, and just 
wow, though. I mean, living in the dark room that she talked about yep. was, was incredible. Um, and what a tough break in the Olympics because yeah. I think, you know, when there's, when there's four people in the break and only two of them are sprinters and she had just beaten all of them in a sprint, a couple of weeks before in, in a pro race. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy story, and this one ended in heartbreak, mm-hmm. um, which is is tough. But you know, uh, Shelly doesn't seem to be the type of person to give up, and she hasn't. And she's uh, like, I see great things from her in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty exciting, and I hope they fix that pothole. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, they, they need to do that. So uh, so thanks again to Shelly Olds, the new coach of the bicycle race team at Roanoke College and former Olympian. We were so glad to hear her stories and hear her riff on some of that stuff. And we just want to remind everybody about all the great riding we have here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. There's road riding, uh, amazing gravel rides. And, and mountain biking. Most importantly. Most importantly. <laughs> mountain biking. Mountain no, biking. not most importantly. Right. Well, we got it all. We do. We're an, an Imba Silver Ride Center, uh, which is huge. We're one of two on the eastern part of the United States uh, to reach that silver level. And we're also, Virginia. Uh, we are the East Coast mountain biking capital here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. So uh, a lot of reasons to come here and ride your bicycle. And Dan and I just love talking about it. That's it. All right. I think that's a show. That's a show. Thanks for joining us here on the Rider Up podcast presented by Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge. We'll see you next time. Before you go, just a couple of quick notes. First of all, thanks for listening to the Rider Up podcast presented by Virginia's Blue Ridge, America's East Coast mountain biking capital. If you want to know more about riding your bike in Virginia's Blue Ridge, you should go directly to bikevbr.com, bikevbr.com, all kinds of information there. All of the many accolades the region has received from many of the bike orgs you know, for instance, Virginia's Blue Ridge is an IMBA-designated Silver Level Ride Center, and that's very rare on the eastern half of the United States, just a couple of us. Also, the League of American Bicyclists designate the region as a bronze-level bicycle-friendly business. And as you heard Dan and I say, it's also home to Team 2024, the top women's team in the United States, where top athletes are Olympic hopefuls and record breakers, and many have made it to the Olympics and won medals in the past, and this is where they call home. The fact is that this region is a fantastic cycling destination for mountain bikes, road bikes, and gravel bikes. Just look at the calendar for this year. The Carillion Clinic Ironman 70.3 Virginia's Blue Ridge Triathlon will be set for early June here in Virginia, in Virginia's Blue Ridge. The 2022 USA Cycling Amateur Road National Championship will be from June 29th to July 2nd. The VBR Grand Fondo is set for Sunday, October 9th, and the Creature from Carvin's Cove Mountain Bike Race will be Saturday, October 16th and 17th, and that's part of the Virginia's Blue Ridge Endurance Series. So all kinds of great events, and I'm just skimming the tops right there. Links to everything we talked about in the podcast, as well as a link to an awesome YouTube video that is just music and beautiful scenery that shows you, and about the highest quality I have seen this side of Hollywood, 
all the many places to ride here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. For Dan Lucas, I'm John Carlin. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you out there in Virginia's Blue Ridge.